1661 for preaching without a license and he languished in Bedford Jail in primitive conditions for 12 long years. John Bunyan. But it was there that he penned the original draft of Pilgrim's Progress with a copy of the scriptures as his only reference material. Uh, a few weeks back I purchased the new edition, uh, this one here, and uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed reading it. But you know, the thing that struck me most in reading this book is how realistic Bunyan is about the spiritual opposition we'll face as Christians. He talks often about the devil and his agents as they seek to drag Christians down. Now, interestingly, the Apostle Paul also talks often about the spiritual opposition we will face as Christians. And today we're going to look at the last part of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Having spelt out the incredible blessings and purpose of the Christian life in chapters 1 to 3 of Ephesians, and then some practical instructions uh, for living it out in chapters 4 to 6, Paul now finishes his letter with a timely reminder to the Christians at Ephesus. They have a committed spiritual opponent when it comes to living out the Christian life. His name is the devil. He plays dirty. He'll do anything to win. And they need to be ready to do battle with him. And so today we're going to consider two things. Firstly, our opponent, the devil. And secondly, how to fight him. Well, let's start with our opponent, the devil. C.S. Lewis, in his preface to the excellent book, Screwtape Letters, says this. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. Now, my hunch today is that we tend to fall into the first error, uh, because we live in a materialistic society that tells us that what you see is all there is. And because we can't see the devil and his helpers, we tend to think he's not active. But the reality is that the devil is alive and well and very much at work in our world. Yes, he's a defeated enemy because of what Jesus has done through his death and resurrection, but he has not conceded defeat. The devil is like a savage dog on a chain, an unbreakable chain, restrained by God, but still doing his best to turn people away from God, still seeking to bring down and destroy God's people. Well, if you're going to successfully battle an opponent, you need to know what they're like, don't you? So what does this passage from Ephesians 6 tell us about the devil? Look with me at verse 11. Paul says... Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. The devil is a schemer. And we are called as Christians to take our stand against his schemes. Now think about it. Schemers are rarely honest or straightforward. They manipulate people and circumstances to achieve their own ends. They attack from behind, they use lies and deception to get what they want. The Bible tells us that the devil is like that. He schemes to drag Christians down, Christians down and to keep non-Christians from seeing the truth. And so he's described by Jesus as a liar and the father of lies. He will tempt us, he will lie to us to tempt us to fall into sin, just as he did with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. 
He will tempt us when we're at our most vulnerable. He knows the tune you whistle for each one of us. And you know what it is for you. Think about it. What temptation tune does he whistle to you when you're tired or you're hungry or you're feeling down? Perhaps it's the temptation to gossip or the temptation to drink too much. Maybe for you it's the temptation to love money or the temptation to indulge in sexual sin or the temptation to become jealous or unforgiving. Friends, the devil's a schooner and he'll use things that are not even bad in themselves to draw us into sin. Perhaps a a juicy piece of news or a cool drink on a hot day or an attractive person that we just look at too often. We need to be on our guard against the devil's schemes and work out strategies to block our ears to his seductive tunes. The Apostle Peter warns us, be sober, be watchful, for your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Reverend John Stott says in his commentary uh, on Ephesians, he says this of the devil, he is a dangerous... Sorry... um, He is a dangerous wolf, but enters Christ's flock in the disguise of a sheep. Sometimes he roars like a lion, but more often is as subtle as a serpent. And so we should be aware that the devil is at work plotting to bring us down and to bind us in sin and guilt so that we become ineffective in our Christian life and witness. But there's more to learn from this passage about the devil and how he accomplishes his purposes yet. Look at uh, verse 12. Paul says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So according to this verse, the devil is not alone. In fact, he has a host of helpers in the spiritual realm. It sounds very sinister, really, doesn't it? Paul is saying that our struggle is not with flesh and blood, but with cosmic spiritual beings. Our enemies aren't human, they are demonic. You know, the Ephesians were more aware of the activity of Satan's agents than we are today. They all would have heard about the seven sons of Sceva, who were Jewish exorcists, who tried to use Jesus' name to cast out evil spirits, even though they weren't themselves followers of Jesus. Acts 19 tells us that the demon-possessed man overpowered them and beat them up, leaving them naked and bleeding. The people in Ephesus were fearful of evil. Many of them dabbled in the occult. And we know this because the Bible records that they had a public bonfire uh, burning magic books worth over $4 million in today's values. So they were aware of Satan's power (coughs) in Ephesus. The question is, are we? You know, over the past uh, week, as I said, I've been at the General Synod of the Anglican Church of Australia. And I saw firsthand Satan at work blinding people to the truth of God's word. Emboldening false teachers to stand up and brazenly speak against the plain teaching of God's word. Not all of them, by the way, but about half of them who spoke. Very disturbing. In Inverell today, the supernatural forces of evil may be less obvious, but the devil's agents are still at work and still powerful. 
They continue to wield authority, exercising that over people's lives, whether they recognise it or not. Now, earlier on in Paul's letter, he reminded the Ephesians that at one time, in fact, all of us were under Satan's power. Uh, this is what he says in Ephesians 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So, so he's saying before God rescued us, we were all following the ruler of the kingdom of the air, that is Satan. All of us deceived by the one we cannot see into believing that what we can see is all there is. All believing that this life is solely about satisfying our own cravings and desires. All blinded by these supernatural agents as to who God is and to how much he loves us and what his true purpose for our lives is. So that was before God rescued us. But just stop and think, how many people in this town are still there? Are still blinded, deceived and cut off from God? There's plenty, isn't there? Don't be fooled, friends. The dark spiritual forces behind that deception are still at work and still powerful in Inverell. So that's our opponent, the devil. How do we fight him? Well, look with me at Ephesians 6, verses 10 and 11. Paul says, says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Notice here we are to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Strong not in ourselves, for we are weak in ourselves. Most of our failures and defeats are due to our foolish self-confidence uh, when we either disbelieve or forget how formidable our spiritual enemies are. So we need to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Only the power of God can defend and deliver us from the schemes of the devil. You know, the Lord's mighty power is the same power which raised Jesus Christ from the dead, the same power which enthroned him in the heavenly places, the same power which has raised us from death and sin and enthroned us with Christ secure forever. Notice the armour is God's, but we need to take it up and put it on. Without God's armour, we shall be fatally unprotected and exposed. So we're to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power by putting on the armour he has provided. Well, what is that armour? Verses 14 to 17 lay out the full armour of God for us. And there's six pieces described. And we're going to look at each one briefly. Verse 14 to start with, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Now the belt of truth can be understood in two ways. It can represent the truth made known to us in the scriptures and through the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Or it can represent the Christian character trait of truthfulness. It probably means both as one actually follows from the other. You see, you cannot take on board the truth God has made to us in his word without then responding to it by being a person of honesty and integrity. Either way, we can see how it's a helpful piece of equipment in opposing the devil whose chief tactic is to lie and to deceive. 
You know, as Christians, we live in a world that's increasingly confused about what is true. God's objective standard of truth has been largely rejected and replaced by a subjective standard of truth determined internally by what an individual thinks and feels. So if it feels right for me, then it is right for me. And so being truthful is now seen as being true to yourself rather than stating anything that's objectively true according to history or, or to God's word or even the evidence at hand. Now in such a fluid climate, we will need courage and wisdom to speak the truth according to God's word. We must not be timid in standing for God's truth as eternal salvation is at stake. Increasingly, we're going to need to be prepared to take flack as we seek to speak the truth in love. But it is vital that we do, as Satan's main weapon is rendered ineffective when we hold fast to the truth and stand against his lies. Well, the second piece of armour, verse 14, is the breastplate of righteousness. Now, once again, it can be understood in two ways. Uh, often in Paul's writing, righteousness refers to the righteousness of Christ that becomes ours through faith. For example, in Romans 3, Paul says, But now a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Now the devil will frequently accuse us before God and plague us with our unworthiness when we fail, but when God looks upon a person who's put their trust in the Lord Jesus, he sees only Christ's righteousness. Our sins were paid for in full by Jesus on the cross. And so through faith in him, we stand before God clothed with the full righteousness of Jesus. Now, that sort of breastplate is solid armour in a war where the devil's tactic is so often to tempt us to despair and make us ineffective through shame and false guilt. <coughs> the other way to understand the breastplate of righteousness is to see it as moral righteousness. And Paul also uses the term in this way in Ephesians 4.24 where he encourages them to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, seeing it this way means we oppose the devil by actively seek, seeking to live God's way according to God's word. And once again, can you see it makes sense that the two ways of understanding the breastplate of righteousness go together. God has made us righteous in Christ that we might live a life of righteousness for his glory. Well, verse 15 brings us to the next piece of armour. Look at it with me. With your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. You know, sometimes the best way to defend is to attack. <laughs> and so often when churches experience discouragement, whether it be through opposition from the world or a conflict in relationships or the challenge even of a pandemic, sometimes they pull off their gospel boots and they go into a survival kind of mode. And can I suggest as you move on this year, Remember that we have been entrusted with the life-transforming gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the gospel that brings peace between God and mankind, both now and eternally. It is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. At Jesus' final instructions to his followers, you might remember, in Matthew 28, were 
Go and make disciples of all nations. So we have a job to do as we look forward to Christ's return. Uh, that book I commended to you a little earlier on uh, is, is, is a really good, good kind of encouragement to keep your gospel boots on and get on with the, uh, the task at hand. Our Armadale Diocesan Mission Statement sums up the task well also. It says, we're on about introducing all people to Jesus and helping them home to heaven. Now, look, I know that you already are on that page here in Inverell, but can I just encourage you today to keep your gospel boots on? Keep looking outward to share the good news because it's only through hearing the good news about Jesus that people will come into God's kingdom. Friends, we fire serious artillery at the devil when we tell the good news of Jesus. It, it's like liberating captives from the oppressor. The devil hates it, but God loves it. And so we need to stick at it. Well, we're collecting some useful armour now, but that's not all. Look with me at verse 15. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, the background to this is the large Roman shields of the day which were covered with leather and soaked in water and used for protection against flame-tipped arrows. The devil's flame-tipped arrows include his frequent accusations which inflame our conscience with false guilt, even though we've been forgiven. Other, dark doubts, uh, sorry, other darks might include thoughts of doubt or lust or hatred or fear. Now, I don't know about you, but periodically I go through intense struggles with unwanted evil thoughts. I won't tell you what they are, no doubt you have your own. But those flaming arrows often strike me when I'm tired or discouraged or down. The good news is that God has given us a piece of armour that will put them out if we use it. The shield of faith takes hold of the promises of God in times of doubt or depression. Faith takes hold of the power of God that is ours in the gospel in times of temptation. So by faith in the Lord Jesus, we are set free from slavery to sin and death. Indeed, we have God's power by his spirit to say no to sin. And so we need to get good at using the shield of faith because those arrows will keep coming until the day we die and go to glory. Well, the next piece of armour is the helmet of salvation. Paul says, take the helmet of salvation. Assurance of salvation is the ultimate defence against an enemy who seeks to destroy our souls. Though the devil hate us, he can never separate us from the wonderful love of God. Remember that fantastic passage in Romans 8? Paul says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. How good is that? That is fantastic news. That's the helmet of salvation. That assurance should help us live lives motivated by love rather than fear. You see, our future is secure in Jesus. And regardless of what happens to us in this world, Christians who wear the helmet of salvation are very robust people indeed. It's hard to shake a person who's not afraid of death. 
Yet that is our position if we wear this piece of armour through trust in the Lord Jesus. Well, the last piece of armour mentioned, uh, verse 17, is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. <clears throat> Remember, Jesus knew how to use this one well when he faced the devil during his 40 days in the wilderness. Each time the devil tempted him, he replied, It is written, and he quote from the Old Testament scripture, It is written, quote from the scriptures, It is written. And in the end, the devil gave up on him and left him alone. You see, Jesus knew the scriptures. Jesus was a master with the sword of the Spirit. And the challenge is clear to us all, isn't it? We too, as God's people, have been given the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, to counter the devil's attacks. But to use it, we need to know and understand the Bible. To know and understand it, we need to read the Bible regularly, together and on our own. Getting to church regularly, to hear the scriptures read and explained, will be vital. Joining a Bible study group during the week to study the Bible with others will be gold as well. Having a quiet time on your own each day, reading a bit of God's word and praying about it, will help you too. But whatever you do, get stuck into God's Word, won't you? The Holy Spirit literally transforms us as we read and understand and prayerfully apply the Bible to our lives. And it's true. Over 27 years of, as a minister, I've watched this happen to people time and time again. It is brilliant to see the transformation. So take hold of the story of the Spirit by reading, studying and applying the Bible, this is a very effective weapon that will help us to stand our ground in the day-to-day -day battle against the devil. Well, that's the armour of God uh, as, that he's given to us. I'm just going through it again. The, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of readiness that come from the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Do you know, every piece, in a way, comes to us as a result of the Gospel. God has given it to us to enable us to fight the devil, and we need to take God at his word and use it in his strength. Which brings us finally to the importance of prayer. Look with me at verse 18. Paul says, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. You see, if we trust in Jesus as our Saviour and live with Him as our Lord, we are the saints. If we're to put on the gospel armour in order to stand firm against the evil one, we will need each other's prayers. The good news is that the Holy Spirit will help us to pray, but we must also stay mindful and alert and stick at praying for one another. Now, I don't know how you pray for your Christian brothers and sisters, uh, but I find a, a prayer diary immensely helpful. I trust you would have received one early in the year uh, at church here, the New Diocesan Prayer Diary. I hope that this will help you to be faithful in prayer for the saints all over our diocese and for their leaders. The Apostle Paul knew that he needed the prayers of God's people to persevere in the work. Look at what he says in verses 19 and 20. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. 
Can I say, I would love for you to be praying that for me too. Yeah, that whenever I open my mouth, word may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. And I know that church leaders right across our diocese would appreciate the same. So can I encourage you with me to use the diocesan prayer diary this year? If we set aside a little time each day, it will help us to keep praying for all the saints that together we might remain strong in the Lord and stand our ground against the devil and his sins. What an appropriate Lord God, we thank you for your love made known to us in the gospel of your Son, our Saviour Jesus Christ. Thank you that in the gospel you have given us all we need to stand firm against the devil and his schemes. So please strengthen us by your spirit to put on the gospel armour you've given us and to use it well. Please keep us firm in our faith and faithful in our prayers that together we might bring glory to you and growth to your kingdom. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <coughs>